Hi, my name's Ian Clough. I'm the chairman of the Brian Bell Group and a director of the Sir Brian Bell Foundation in Papua New Guinea. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannuzzo. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest here with me today. His name is Ian Clough, who was born in Papua New Guinea, where he spent his early life, and he's proud of his uh, Papua New Guinea heritage. He studied in Australia before returning to a family business, and Ian began his life in retail with the Brian Bell Group, working during school holidays and more permanently after graduation. Working in roles within Kmart, Bunnings, Liquorland, Coles Supermarkets, and Target, Ian's 25-year career with West Farmers provided significant development and opportunity. After forging a successful retail career in one of Australia's biggest companies, he returned to Papua New Guinea to add value to his family's business and to the Papua New Guinea community. As the chairman of one of Papua New Guinea's most reputable businesses, he also maintains a director role on the Sir Brian Bell Foundation, while also sitting on the Council of St. John, Papua New Guinea, and completing a term with the Port Moresby Chamber of Commerce. Ian is also the Honorary Consul for Sweden and Norway. Ian, a big welcome to the show to you. Morning, Dennis. It's great to, to be having an opportunity to chat to you. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. I've told you, and uh, we've just shared with the listeners a little bit about your background. Tell me more about your background, and in particular, tell me a little bit about the Bell, uh, the Brian Bell Group. So uh, I'll start with the easy stuff, which is uh, right back to the start. As you said, I'm born in Papua New Guinea. I'm a Papua New Guinean citizen. I'm proud of my PNG heritage, and uh, I, uh, I enjoy being able to come back to Papua New Guinea to uh, add value after working and setting up a life in Australia. The Brian Bell Group was started uh, in 1958. It's a 63-year-old business that started as a little gun shop uh, in a small suburb in Port Moresby called Ella Beach, and it's grown to be one of Papua New Guinea's most recognised uh, business brands. Certainly not the biggest retailer in the country, but highly respected and regarded, and uh, our team over the 63 years have done a wonderful job in building the reputation of the business, really focused on providing uh, quality service and value. And I am fortunate to have two wonderful daughters, a beautiful wife. Uh, they live in Australia and uh, and I work in PNG. So uh, FaceTime and, uh, you know, all the modern communications are how we go about life. And that's not uncommon for people that uh, work uh, abroad. And COVID certainly has made that a bit of a, a challenge for us. 
But no, I'm uh, I'm delighted to be back working uh, in PNG and and with the team here that are doing some amazing things to change the way our customers shop in our business and uh, give back to the community in a really positive way. So uh, it's a great environment to be in. That's excellent. And I see, you know, with the retail and so forth, especially with uh, lockdowns and that being, you know, we're relying a lot on, on supermarkets, of course, to actually provide us the food and everything we need to be able to survive as we stay at home for sure. So uh, it's a really important aspect of our life at the moment too along with what you just said around FaceTime and technology, helping us stay in touch with family and friends and loved ones around the world, especially when we can't go and visit them for sure. So it's uh, it's a real important stuff. Hey, Ian, how did you get into leadership? Look, I think I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by leaders as a child. My grandfather started the business. My father was obviously uh, involved in the business at a senior level. I was influenced by uh, people running a business and leading teams of people uh, from a very early age. I decided to go and you know forge my own identity and learn a little bit more about uh, retail outside of the Papua New Guinea environment and move to Australia. And uh, I, I came from an environment where you were expected to work hard all the time. And uh, for me, as a you know uh, an early person, I didn't I didn't have uh, aspirations to be a leader and such, but uh, over time, just as a, a result of having an expectation that I worked hard, I was provided with opportunities, fortunately, to take on more significant roles. And slowly, that formed some, I guess, leadership credibility amongst the people that I was working with. And uh, I had some really strong mentors over the time that provided me opportunity to then take on more and more. And, you know, all of a sudden, one minute you're, uh, you know, you're stacking shelves or doing things that uh, just need to be done to suddenly responsible for and accountable for uh, more significant uh, parts of the business. So I'm, I'm fortunate that I'd argue that in some ways I was surrounded by it early and that influenced me uh, very quickly. And others, I think I've just had been fortunate that I've had good mentors that have identified that maybe I had some leadership qualities that were valuable and helped to steer me to a place where I could you know, use those. Yeah. Okay, good. So you mentioned a couple of things I want to do a little bit of a deep dive on. One is around your own identity. Do you think developing your own leadership identity is important? I absolutely do, Dennis. I think that uh, if I just talk personally for a minute, I, uh, I was born into a family that had a small business that was growing. It was recognized as a teenager. You know, you you want to be your own person and recognised for your own uh, skills, etc. And I was uh, working in a, an environment where everyone knew who I was because of my father and my grandfather. So, you know, when you get to 19 and everywhere you go, someone says, oh, you're Sir Brian's grandson or you're Trevor's son. I decided that uh, maybe it was time that uh, I went and learned some things and set my own course because, you know, the, it was important that I built my own, I guess, credibility or brand as such and uh, decided off I'd go and do my own thing. The expectation was uh, for a short period of time, it turned out to be much longer than that. Uh, I always tell people that I was a, a very slow learner. But I think that your own credibility, your own style, your own, I'm going to call it brand, but that's that's very important because when you talk about reputations, when you talk about integrity, authenticity is very important. And I think for me, it's really, really important that people identify what it is they stand for and work really hard to maintain that expectation of those people around them. Yeah, that's good. Very good. So yeah, your brand, but you, there's so many things you've just covered off there, which is which is brilliant. The second area I wanted to deep dive, do a little bit of a deep dive on, and which is you talked about having some strong mentors around you. 
how important is it for people to actually think about who are either wanting to get into leadership or are at a certain leadership level, but they want to go to more senior levels or to a larger scale? How important is it for them to have mentors and what should they do to try and find a mentor? Look, I think, Dennis, I think it's critical. I think that no one is going to realise their potential without support. I, I, I know that there's plenty of examples where people have, but I think that if they reflect on their journey, there will always be people that have influenced them either directly or indirectly. And so I think that uh, having some people around you that can provide you with some steer, some direction, some guidance, some honesty around the things that you need to be doing to go to the places that you want to from a leadership perspective is a critical part of your development and uh, I've been very fortunate along the way that while I might not have realised that at the time uh, that I had people that were invested in my success and uh, or at least me doing well whether it was to support them in their roles or just to see me be the best uh, that I could be I, I think that's really important I think it's important that you have close contacts whether they're inside the business or outside your work environment that, that know you well that provide you with you know that steer I, I credit a lot of things to a lot of people but I also can't underestimate the patience and tolerance of my wife who you know, knows me better than anyone and just belts me around the head every now and then when it's time to say, well, this is what you need to have a, a good hard look at. And uh, those sorts of conversations are really important. Yeah, I think the, the words that you used before about having, you know, them being honest and having some honesty with you and having that honest conversation, you know, and you called it a belt around the head a couple of times. But, you know, I mean, think at the end of the day, it's really what we talk about is that there are people who have got, as you said, vested interest in you. They've got your back, but they've got your back in a good way in the sense that they want to look after you and make sure you succeed. And so having those honest conversations is going to be really important for sure. Excellent. Ian, you may have several here, but I'm going to ask you this question in the sense of who is your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history, but who's your favorite leader and why? I think that's a really tough question for me, uh, Dennis, if I'm honest. I, uh, I I think about when people ask me this question, who who I would consider my favourite leader. I think that there's, there's not one person that I say to me influences the things that I've learned from or the environments that I've been in that I've taken the most from. I'd say I take lots of little pieces from the people that I see or the people that uh, influence me. I, I love seeing stuff on Nelson Mandela. I love reading about uh, um, people like Abraham Lincoln because they're, you know, pioneers or they've demonstrated amazing courage. You know, I, I was a big, uh, still am a big Barack Obama fan because, you know, you're talking about breaking down barriers and, uh, you know, a, a guy who can inspire people with a conversation. For me, you know, in terms of favourite leader, I've got some people that I've worked with that you know, really have influenced me uh, over my journey. Uh, there's a gentleman uh, that I work with uh, in the Coles West Farmers world for a number of years who, you know, can only be described as uh, firm but fair and, you know, genuinely invested in your success. And so, uh, you know, Mark was a very, very strong influence on my development uh, as a leader. But I, I can't put it down to one person. I always look to people for, you know, whether they have an authenticity, whether they can inspire people, whether they deliver uh, messages that you take away and reflect on on a regular basis because they're meaningful. And so it's it's a tough question to answer with just one person. So uh, I, I think if I could wash up one leader alive or 
or dead, it would be a person who embodies all of those qualities that are important to me, authenticity, honesty, integrity, inspiration. Uh, you know, th there are people that have probably got elements of all of that. And uh, if you were taking those elements and making one person, I'm not sure they're out there, but um, maybe I haven't found them yet. Yeah, no, that's good points. And, uh, and I think the, the thing that I'm hearing that you talked about is that they've got messages that they have got to share with people. But if you take those messages and you reflect and you do something with it, then it's going to be a great thing whereby, you know, for a lot of people, it's just be messages and some people just don't do anything with it. But if we can take the messages, experiences and reflect on what others have done and learn it and apply it to us and maybe our organization, that that's, that's a good thing to do. And who knows where it goes for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, I've had conversations with people in the past who talk to me about, you know, what do you stand for? You take over a new team and you sit down and you, you establish your ways of working and, you know, let me tell you a bit about how I like to work. Those uh, conversations usually come in a, a big long list of sound bites almost or sayings or things that I'd probably use to describe what they mean to me and how I like to work. And, you know, whether it's, you know, a saying that, you know, we all know about uh, people don't care how much you know until you know how, until they know how much you care, helps me to describe how important it is that, you know, my awareness of their world, understanding of the things that are important to them, help me to shape how I want to interact with those individuals. And so, you know, particularly in a Papua New Guinean context, we've got uh, an environment where there's no shortage of need in PNG. There's an enormous amount of empathy required for Papua New Guineans and the, the challenges that they face in their everyday lives. That uh, while we want to maintain high standards and we challenge uh, all of our team to exceed our own expectations there's still a moment where you have to have some genuine empathy and uh, and care around their situations so little things like that help me to steer myself and uh you know bring you back on track when there's times where you have to make some decisions that you think what's the right thing to be doing in this space i think that helping to have these i guess signposts or, or things that keep you uh, on the straight and narrow are really important yeah, cool. Very good. Thanks for sharing that, Ian. It's got some good points here, listeners, for sure. So, Ian, about four years ago, I had a tumour removed from my left vocal cord. Here I was, traveling the world, executive coaching, facilitating, doing really well, and and I thought, oh, my life's over and my job's over. Came back as being benign and had it removed four years ago, and it was really, really quite cool, but it sort of gave me a wake-up call to say, hey, time for you to now go and do what you really want to go and do because you've been given a second chance of life. And when we went into lockdown a year ago, this is why I launched, you know, the the podcast, Leadership is Changing, and that's why, you know, thinking about the voice journey, that's why I've decided to do it. So the show is called Leadership is Changing, and when I mention the title of the show, what does that mean to you, that leadership is changing? What does it mean for you? I think as I uh, think about leadership over time, uh, and, and it is changing, it is, it is changing, let's be honest, in the last 18 months, the way you lead teams of people and the way you engage teams of people has changed dramatically, and it's changed more so for certain sectors in business or in leadership roles. Uh, I think there's there's two pieces for me. One is the the people that uh, you're obviously leading are changing the expectations of individuals, the way they live their lives, the, you know, the, I'm going to call it uh, without trying to sound too delicate, but the passions and the um, priorities for some parts of the community are evolving. And so uh, a leader who, particularly those who 
manage or lead large teams have, has to have a really diverse toolkit to be able to engage with all of those different parts of the community. And so that's, that's really important. And I think adaptability is critical in this environment because the, the people that you're leading expect different things, the, the community's expecting different things. And again, in the last 18 months, priorities have changed dramatically. The second part of that for me is also what's happening in the way of the tools that you have available. I mean, whether it's tech has changed the way people lead you know you're you're communicating on more channels than you've ever communicated before because you know again people expect different things the leadership is much more culture focused than it was before i think you hear a lot of people talking about uh, what culture means and a lot of investment in in cultural development for for organizations so i think uh, the leaders of today need to be really focused on on what culture they're trying to, to build and maintain within their work environment so i think leadership in 2021 and i suspect uh, in the years to come is going to be even more challenging than it may have been uh, five years ago as we say yep yep so silly is changing for sure and I think technology is making things go faster as well, and, and but also it's enabling us to do business faster, but more of a, a more of a bigger footprint, if I can put it that way. So you know, you talked about before earlier on, you're able to talk with the family, of course, with you know FaceTime and things like that, and and other people too. So I think it's really amazing to see where technology is taking things for sure. And for some people, it's very scary, right? I mean, it's it's scary in the sense that you know, wow, technology like here in this country today. Just go back about. Two months ago, I think it was, they stopped taking checks. They don't do checks anymore, banks and businesses and things like that. And for a lot of people who are writing checks out for a lot of their lives now have to become more digital and they're like, whoa. And so the whole change is, is, is happening for them a lot, for sure. So, yeah. Hey, um, Ian, based on your businesses and the industry that you're in, how has your business or industry changed and what demands has that put on you or your leadership team? I think, uh, well, we're, we're in the retail business. We have a diverse portfolio of businesses that means that uh, from a leadership perspective, there's a lot of, um, I guess, adaptability because one minute you're having a conversation about what's required in a traditional department store, the next minute it's about what property portfolio you're overseeing. So, you know, generalist type leadership is probably called upon even more. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can't necessarily always be an expert in everything, but you it's even more critical that you need to surround yourself with good people that are experts in, uh, in, in their fields to be able to steer your environment. I think uh, if you think about the retail industry in recent years, it's very tech focused, it's very digital focused. And, you know, uh, as an organisation, Papua New Guinea is a little bit further behind the rest of the world. And that's only because of the cost of data in PNG and the access to data in PNG is a, is a lot less, it's, it's a lot less accessible than it is elsewhere in the world. So Papua New Guinea is a little bit further behind, but uh, it will leapfrog probably two decades of uh, innovation and development pretty soon when that all comes uh, up to to global standards and so having our business really focused on being able to manage in that digital world being able to respond to the customer's expectations in that space requires us to think a little bit differently about how we we engage our customers Papua New Guinea for example is one of the uh, fastest adopters of Facebook uh, per capita and so you know as Papua New Guineans get access to digital technology they're they're on the you know the facebook uh, apps and smartphones more so than ever before and our business needs to be able to engage our customers and talk to our customers in that space 
more so than it ever did. Five years ago, we didn't even have a Facebook page. And so, uh, you know, now we're one of the largest Facebook pages in the country and we have millions of interactions every every month. So thinking about how we move away from traditional customer engagement is really important. So I think if you, if you talk about our industry and how business is changing, I think being able to utilise these tools that have become available is, is really important. Being able to surround yourself with people that understand that but more importantly understand what it's going to become more so than what it is 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 really important because uh, you know if you're using it now it's probably outdated and uh, tomorrow's new best thing is is just around the corner so being able to be dynamic fast-paced and adaptable is is critical to success. Yeah and technology is amazing how fast it's moving as you said you know you, you order something it arrives you implement it it's out of date already so it's really amazing how quickly it is working Hey, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what would it be? I think, I think, Dennis, the thing that, you know, the fast pace and the technology and everything else is doing that's really positive is that uh, leaders can reach a wider audience really quickly. They can uh, get a message to people really, really quickly. I think if I could change, though, one thing, I think for me it's that sometimes I'm a believer that you can slow down to go faster. And uh, there's times where I think that, that we can't undervalue that face-to-face engagement with people around delivering change messages or managing difficult situations and I often talk to people about how you know you can't do this by email you can't manage this by whatsapp you can't you know there are things that still require human interaction and I think I read somewhere that you know seven percent of communication is the words we use and the rest is all you know tones affliction etc you know, when you're communicating by many streams at the moment, uh, you're only getting that 7% to people. And so for me, I think whether I'm, I'm still not a huge fan of the whole Zoom thing for meaningful conversations, but that's the world we're in right now. But I do think sitting down and having conversations with people where it really counts is can't be undervalued. And I think that if there was one thing I could change, it was, you know, the world allowing us to still have the time to be able to do that, to make meaningful connections either in the workplace or with our network. Just imagine if you had shares in Zoom or in a supermarket right now, you'd be doing really well, right? Yeah, yeah. I was reading about, uh, you know, the gentleman who founded Zoom and he was worth X and then COVID hits and now he's worth 10 times that, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, that's a guy who sort of read the play early and uh, all of a sudden he's, he's just uh, in the right place at the right time. But it really highlights, uh, you know, how important this face-to-face contact is. You know, I'm thinking about recruitment. We're an overseas company. We recruit, uh, you know, a handful of executives. We're looking for the best in the world. So that means that many of them aren't in Papua New Guinea. And to sit down and have a recruitment conversation on on Zoom or, or, or similar is very different to sitting in a room with someone and, you know, getting to know them and uh, then getting to know you. Yeah, it, it, we can't underestimate how important that it, it is that we still maintain those meaningful connections. Yeah, I think there's, there's a saying out there that the higher the tech, the higher the touch. And so even though we've got technology today, we still need to have that high touch with people as well, for sure, which is really important. And, and talking about that, you know, you've got employees, I've had employees, we've both probably been employees in the past and things like that. How are employees' expectations of leaders changed? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting question. I think that uh, in many cases it goes back to that conversation around how leadership's changing. I think our employee expectations are, 
uh, changing because the things that are priorities for many of our employees or employees across the world are changing. There's such a diversity of expectation that, you know, uh, reflects whether it's the communities in which they work, uh, sorry, live or in the uh, work environments in which, they, which they're operating. I, I think that the employee expectations are that, you know, that leaders are much more accessible and whether that's just direct contact via whatever channel or streams appropriate in that business. But I also think that uh, leaders are expected to have, I guess, a, an awareness and understanding and an appreciation for all of the things that employees might be dealing with. And I think that the bigger your organisation, the more complex that can be. But I think uh, of organisations like uh, when I worked in West Farmers, that the more and more the communities evolved, the more diverse each community became and ultimately how you had to think a little bit differently when you were dealing with change programs. And so things that worked in North Queensland well, certainly didn't work uh, even less so in Victoria and things that worked in New South Wales and Sydney, you couldn't necessarily assume that they would be successful in Western Australia. So, you know, and Papua New Guinea is a, a land of a thousand tribes, people speak 800 languages. And so for us, the diversity in just our communities is so significant that uh, it challenges our team to be able to be really aware of how we provide the right services and, and products and from our from our employees' perspective, how we meet their expectations because they are so different across the country. Small country, 8 million people, but, you know, 800 languages and such a diversity in, in terms of population that it really means that you have to work hard to meet your team's expectations is probably the, the way I see it. Can you speak all 800 languages? <laughs> I'm lucky I'm barely able to speak English, Dennis, uh, <laughs> people would argue. But uh, no, no, I, I, I pride myself on knowing words in two, two others, but uh, no, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. So, yeah, you think about Papua New Guinea, there's a, there's a beautiful mountain uh, over here and the, the, the people that live there speak one language and then, you know, as far as the crow flies, say it's 50 kilometres on the other side of the hill uh, or the valley, there's another tribe and they might speak a slightly different dialect. And uh, it's, it is in, an interesting environment. And uh, Papua New Guinea's built is the land of the unexpected and there's no, no false advertising there at all. And it's, it's really amazing too, all of that without technology. I mean, it's just, just amazing, eh? This is exactly right. This is exactly right. So sometimes, you know, the cynic in me every now and then starts to talk about uh, whether, you know, Technology is the secret to success, but I think it's a, a balance of both. The land of the unexpected, is that what you said before? Yeah. Yep. What does that mean? What, what, what's the, the meaning behind that? I think when it was originally uh, touted, Papua New Guinea, the land of the unexpected, was purely based on the just that diversity uh, uh, message. Uh, you know, you're talking about some of the most pristine, beautiful, untouched coastal regions in the world that uh, would rival if you could get to them uh, the Maldives, the, you know, the Bora Boras that everyone knows about. And then you've got mountain regions that are just spectacular that, uh, you know, where there's snow-capped mountains that no one would ever expect to see. I think there's something like 6% of the world's biodiversity is in uh, Papua New Guinea with something like two and a half, might even be higher than that percent being unique to the country. So you're talking about bird life and animal life and 
plants and things that are just uh, nowhere else in the world. And I think the unexpected part comes because most people see Papua New Guinea from what they read on the news or what they hear about in the, you know, the media, which for people who live here or people that are passionate about PNG, it's far from that. Papua New Guinea has uh, lots of challenges and, uh, you know, we're a young country. Uh, while it's thousands of years in the making for, for, the, for the country in essence, it's only been independent uh, for 46 years. And so for us, we think about the journey that, say, in Australia or New Zealand uh, was on after 46 years. It was probably not too dissimilar in terms of its uh, learnings and stumblings and challenges. But uh, Papua New Guinea people are genuinely very authentic and passionate and caring. And so, uh, you know, when they're supported and given the right tools, they're uh, as successful as anyone. Yeah, fantastic. That's, that's, that is fascinating in the way that you're sharing it and what's, what's happening there too. And, and yeah, brilliant. I love it. The land of the unexpected. Nice. And speaking in today's world, speaking about today's world and the fast-paced, ever-changing world, what makes a leader successful today in that kind of world? Yeah, I think uh, we've touched on it earlier. I think adaptability is a critical uh, is a critical uh, skill. I mean, one minute you're you're having conversations with people uh, via Zoom, the next minute you're uh, you know you're having face to face conversations. You're interacting with different people in WhatsApp groups on your phone. So you know, being able to adapt to the various changes and the technology and the tools. Uh, and the expectations, as we said, uh, are, are really critical. I think being responsive is uh, is important. There's no shortage of stimulus and no shortage of contact. We talked about emails earlier, and uh, you know, any leader in any sort of business is getting you know plenty of attention as it comes when it comes to tools and contacts. But I think being able to respond and listen and and provide feedback uh, within a you know reasonable time frame is important. People have an expectations of your time, and uh, you know it's a fast-paced world. And so, being able to manage multiple tasks from face-to-face meetings to travelling to see uh, regions, it's all they're all encompassing, and you just need to be adaptable, responsive, continue to be authentic, and uh, and and take your time to have meaningful contacts because there's no shortage of them, and uh, you can never underestimate that. You know, one quick response to someone that's not well thought through can have a, you know, a, a long lasting effect on what they're doing and, and their world uh, that you can't underestimate. So I think uh, all of those things are really important at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. That's that's big because be careful what we're saying, how we say it, what we do, because the impact is massive. And uh, we may not know, but you may have, as a leader, may have someone come to you two or three, five years later going, remember the thing that you said, and this is what I went and did. It was like, well, most leaders don't even remember what they've said or what they've done. So it's, it's actually really interesting. Yeah, I think so. I think, look, don't, don't underestimate. We're, we're all human and we're not perfect and we all, uh, hmm. you know, have those times where we might say something in error or short and sweet and back and all of those sorts of things. But I think uh, you're right. And don't underestimate the impact you can have on that individual, particularly someone who's not used to interacting with you and not interacting with the way you like to work and often... Uh, you know, I've had responses from leaders in the past that have I've thought that's not as well thought through as it could have been, or it's uh, I would rather them have taken a bit more time to get me a, a quality response because it does have a lasting effect. It might be confusing for an individual to you know what is it that you want to be doing. So you've got a productivity challenge. You you know you damage that relationship if they think you're less than caring. So I think that uh, while we move at pace and we all want to get things done properly uh, and quickly. We can't underestimate that if we do that without some consideration, it can have uh, long-lasting effects that we might underestimate.
Absolutely. So, Ian, I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out here and start thinking about the future. Where do you see leadership being in five years? I think, Dennis, if you'd asked me this question uh, 18 months ago, I can imagine the answer would have been very, very different. Uh, You know, there was a time where I thought that we would be channeling on a similar place. I would never have thought that video conferencing and Zooming and all this sort of uh, activity would be anything of what it is today when, uh, like we said earlier, Mr. Zoom, who invented uh, the whole tech or created his platform, uh, would never have expected to be what it is. I think if I look forward and go... What is the world going to look like from a leadership perspective? I think that it's going to be uh, more of the same in terms of that multiple channel engagement. It's going to be more of the same in terms of the fast paced nature of leadership. But I think what's going to happen is that uh, the expectations of the people that we're leading are going to continue to get higher and higher. And I think that when I reflect on the changes in the world in the last 18 months, that People now have an expectation of, you know, that direct contact, that specific, you know, the thing that leaders are struggling with, particularly in the political arena at the moment, is uh, ambiguity and uncertainty and, you know, defining what the future might look like. So I think the more that leaders can provide the people that they're leading with some certainty, some clarity, some real direction is going to be even more important than it is today. I think that, as I said earlier, that our, our communities and the people we're leading are going to have higher expectations. What is it about? What are you doing for me? How is that helping me? How is that helping the things that I believe in? And uh, you just have to look at some of the, the messaging around sustainability and the environment and et cetera, that leaders have had to shift strategically how they feel about those things and the, what their businesses are doing to protect those things to meet the expectations of communities. I mean, boards have an expectations around diversity, around what businesses are doing to you know protect the environment, what they're doing to protect the workforce. We're talking about child employment policies and you know ethical sourcing. All of these things are going to just be amplified, I think, in, in my view, and uh, leaders are going to have to be really, really clear about what they stand for in those areas. Yeah, too right. Amplified and and understand what you stand for. Really interesting topics and um, thoughts as well. Ian, thank you for joining us on today's show. Hey, if our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? I'm a LinkedIn user, Dennis. I'm certainly not an uh, you know an avid one as active as some of my colleagues, but that's probably the best place to reach out and make some contact. Uh, you know, I, I like interacting with people from time to time on LinkedIn. So please uh, look me up on LinkedIn and shoot me a message if there's something that you think that I could uh, uh, share or or uh, provide some insight into. I'm more than happy to to liaise through that platform. It seems to be a good one from a business perspective. Great. Ian, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. We thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. I appreciate the discussion. Thanks, Dennis. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends and your family and your network. And if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show or a question for my guests as I interview them or a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, which is Leadership is Changing, go ahead and join us on those two platforms. We would love to see you there. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.